need to open with a very critical breaking news announcement. The FBI has just sent a letter to Congress informing them that they have discovered new emails pertaining to the former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's investigation. And they are reopening the case into her criminal and illegal conduct that threatens the security of the United States of America. James Comey drops a bombshell over the weekend pertaining to the Hillary Clinton email case. We'll look into the angles of that story and whether or not it was responsible and the, the reaction from both sides. And some of them, some of the reactions you might be surprised by. Also, I have a little bit to talk about WikiLeaks, Obamacare premiums, and more. Guys, this is it. This is the home stretch. Next week, we vote. What a weekend it has been. It is Monday, 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 October 31st. Happy Halloween, listeners, near and far, home and abroad, whatever the case may be. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening, you might be listening on your phone, you might be listening at home, you might be listening on the road, however you choose to listen, welcome to FritzCast. Can you believe that next week is is the week? That's it. Next week. Next Tuesday. We vote. We go to the booth. Some people have voted already. Early voting has opened up in states. That's become a thing nowadays. And not just, you know, absentee balloting. Uh, early voting has become a thing. I, I think I want to talk about that a little bit uh, in the in the home stretch of this episode. Maybe a little, a little later or towards the end. But uh, some people have already cast their vote already. So, you know, that comes into play. That comes into mind with this WikiLeaks business. Like, how many people voted early and people are trying to drop last-minute bombshells to affect the election? And it's 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 the 21st century, baby. It, it is the modern era. And you can't really drop a bomb a few days before election when people are voting early and getting it out of the way because they don't want to stand in lines. I'm telling you right now, hopefully, uh, the last couple elections that I went to, I there wasn't a long line to stand in, and it didn't take a long time for me to get in and vote. I don't know what that says about our, our voting body and their motivation to vote. I really don't, but I get up early on election day, and I just go to the polls first thing in the morning, get it done with, cast my vote, and then what, what else? Do, what else can you really do? You fall back and you listen to the coverage as results start sweeping in that's living on the east coast i wake up cast the vote and then i'm seeing how the entire east coast voted and you kind of watch it in a wave go from the east coast to the west coast so west coast guys probably go cast their vote and within a couple of hours they already have an idea who won the presidency whereas me i'm i'm staying up till like you know midnight or later Watching these results pour in and going, wow, why am I staying up to figure out who's president? I could just go to sleep and wake up and figure out tomorrow. And this year, undoubtedly, I will go to sleep and I will just I will just wait until 
the next day. I'll wait till Wednesday, November 9th, and figure it out then. Because it's not worth the agony anymore. It's not worth the agony. I already told you. You know what? I did tell you guys that I was unshakable. I'm voting Gary Johnson. Unshakable. I lied. I've decided to switch my vote. Uh, last minute entry to the presidential election. I don't know if you guys know, knew this. Um, SMOD. S-M-O-D. SMOD. 2016. I just figured out about this campaign. If you didn't know, SMOD is the sweet meteor of death. You hear, you hear it? Doesn't sound so bad, does it? Just... <laughs> enough dreaming, though. Enough dreaming. We're going to select... Uh, one of these candidates for president. One of them. Me, Gary Johnson. Lots of people, Gary Johnson. Maybe Utah picks Evan McMullen. Who knows? But I'm not lying. There was actually a poll out uh, amongst millennials uh, a couple weeks ago. I didn't report it. I didn't want to report it. But a couple weeks ago, there was a, there was a poll. And that poll revealed that millennials were more content with a giant meteor ending all life on Earth than Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. They probably just voted that way to be smart asses, sure. But I'm just saying, this is what the polls suggested, all right? This isn't some made-up poll numbers. And it isn't cherry-picked poll either. It's just results, people. It's, it's something that people said they wanted. All right? Don't knock me. I'm just voicing an, a, a majority opinion. I don't know who they were asking, but it is what it is. So I finished up my classes yesterday. It was uh, history and public speaking. In the books, done. Getting ready to start my next block of classes. I only have this block of classes and the next block of classes to go. That is it. November... December, January, February, March, April. April or May. April, I am done in April or May, baby. I am ecstatic. I cannot wait to finish. I can just not wait to finish it. In all honesty, it's not that aggravating. I like, Especially like these last two block classes that I did. History, love American history. It was American, U.S. history from World War II to present day. I love, I love American history. Absolutely. I, I more so revolution and the Civil War era than the more modern era. But I love that stuff. Very interesting to me. Very interesting to to dive into the little nuances, the little things. Uh, get more backstory, more analyzation on some of the key events that we've been through. And public speaking has helped out in me developing the podcast. Because, you know, I listen to the show. I record the show. You record You record the show. It's your show. I record it and I listen to it. So I sit here for, you know, 30, between 30 minutes and, and an hour recording an episode. And then I sit down and I listen to it and I go, yeah, that's good. You know, uh, I try not to rough cut things. I try my darndest not to hit the stop button. 
uh, for pauses or anything like that, which is a little different from what a radio experience would be, right? If I was like blocked for a two or a three hour show, there would be breaks for commercials and all that. And I could gather my thoughts then or gather myself then and take a break. Uh, I could do it freely right now. I try not to do that because in terms of professionalism, in terms of having that quality, it's not a good idea for me to keep clicking stop, pause, cut, replay, recut, re-record. It's not, it's not a good vibe. Uh, so public speaking has helped me map things out better, helped me plan things out better. But uh, I was listening to like one of my first couple episodes of the podcast. Uh, so we were talking back January 2016, beginning of the year. And, you know, I think I've come a good long way. I think I've evolved very well from those first couple episodes. I mean, I, obviously I have better equipment now and I have a better setup now, but c- certain things just come more naturally. Sitting in front of a microphone, if you've never done it, if you've never sat in front of a microphone and just started relaying your thoughts, relaying research, reading paragraphs from news snippets, uh, the things that you find interesting, if you've never done it, it's weird, it's awkward, Uh, especially because you could be in a a quiet room. Uh, Me, I sit in my office. I'm in this quiet room by myself talking to you guys, but right now I'm literally talking to nobody. If somebody was passing by and looked into this room and didn't see a microphone and didn't see me actively looking up these stories and talking like I was hosting a show, they'd probably say, that guy is crazy and he's talking to himself and he needs help. Now, besides the fact that I do need help and I do talk to myself... (sighs) Sorry. I have had a great deal of evolution. I I think I'm far more entertaining than I was in the first couple episodes because I was trying to gauge myself and I didn't know how people would react to the show and things like that. And as time progresses, I just don't care. I don't care if you listen to this and you're like, this guy's an idiot because I do the same thing. I listen to stuff and I either say that guy makes a valid point or that guy's an idiot. But... Amongst the compliments that you guys have paid to me, that friends have paid to me, acquaintances, what have you, uh, people say I have a way of presenting things in an entertaining fashion. So I hope I keep things light and bubbly and fun and not too dark and not too serious, except when it has to be. So that's yeah let's just dive right into it what happened over the weekend man James Comey sends a letter to Congress saying hey we uh, discovered uh, something in regards to you know Anthony Weiner and we believe that it's pertinent and involved with uh, Hillary Clinton's private email server. Uh, so we have to reevaluate some stuff with that. And then the the world blew up. The world blew up. Everybody rushed. Hey, the FBI is reopening the Clinton case. FBI is reopening the, the whole, the whole shebang on Hillary Clinton and everybody, everybody lost their mind over the weekend. I, I opened with Donald Trump, Donald Trump, of course, as strategist as he is, didn't take probably even an hour's worth of time for him to 
go to a rally and go, hey, by the way, it turns out that the FBI is getting ready. Maybe justice will be served this time. Now, when I say the world blew up, I'm reading from an article posted on The Hill titled FBI Drama Injects Uncertainty in a Frantic Final Week of Race, which it does, mind you. Uh, amongst uh, some of the snippets I'll take out of here, quote, Democrats are furious about what they see as political meddling on the part of the Bureau and its director, James Comey. The Clinton campaign sent a release late Sunday evening signed by nearly 100 former prosecutors and the Department of Justice officials questioning Comey's quote, break with the long-standing practices, end quote, by making public statements about an ongoing investigation or even acknowledging the existence of one. Uh, among chronic complainers, Harry Reid, shocker, saying that Comey may have well violated the Hatch Act, which prohibits federal government officials from using their authority to influence election. Donald Trump, of course, jumped right on and said, hey, look at this. But, you know, shockingly, Joe Biden comes out and says, you know what, Comey's a straight guy, and I think people are blowing it up out of proportion. That essentially is what Joe Biden says over the whole issue. Joe Biden, as the voice of reason, I mean, that's a little nuts, right? And then if you listen to Joe Walsh at all, Joe Walsh is a, is a commentator and former uh, Republican congressman from Illinois, I want to say, congressman. Uh, he still operates out of Chicago, Illinois, I believe. Uh, um, he, Joe Walsh has had his share of controversial statements this year, if you f follow any type of uh, in-depth media analysis over this election season. Joe Walsh, uh, just a mere week or so ago, said something about said something along the lines of, if Hillary Clinton is elected president on November 8th, then November 9th I'm grabbing my musket. Which, come on, people. It's a, it's a frickin' musket. Definitely stands no chance against Secret Service agents. But, whatever. He's had his fair share of controversial tweets over this election season. Let me read you Joe Walsh's tweet on this. Or rather, it's actually a series of tweets. So it starts with, uh, uh, it starts with yesterday night. At some point, he started posting these. So, one reads, Politics aside, James Comey has screwed this thing up from the get-go. He wrongly let her off in July, and he wrongly stuck it to her on Friday. Look, I think Comey should have said, prosecute her back in July. But what he just did 11 days before the election is wrong and unfair to Hillary. You may hate me, but I'll always say what I believe. I want Trump to win, but what Comey just did to Hillary is wrong and really unfair to her. Hillary is corrupt as hell, but the FBI director has no right to mess with an election. He goes public because of emails no one has seen? Just wrong. When Joe Walsh is your voice of reason, I mean, I mean, come on. Come on. This is Joe Biden, Joe Walsh, voices of reason. My dear God, what has become of America? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, next week can't come fast enough. I think I think we're all ready. I think everybody's been ready for quite a bit now. We've been just so anxious and aggravated waiting to go vote. 
and the, just the the news stories keep piling up because every little thing can get scrutinized now. Let me say this about uh, the Comey thing though, because uh, I gave you I gave you some Democratic side, I gave you some Republican side. I don't know why Comey sent out the letter. To me, it seems like it's a catch twenty two. Let me put it that way. Why is it catch twenty two? Because let's just say. Comey finds this information, or the FBI finds this information, as they did, and so they start investigating, and somehow word leaks out, because people are stupid, and people leak it out anyway. So whether or not Comey sends a letter saying, hey, we're uh, we're looking at things because uh, some emails popped up on Anthony Weiner's laptop, and it involves Clinton emails tied to the server, so we got to look at them. Say he doesn't send out a message about that, but the word still leaks out anyway from somebody. Then you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. He doesn't tell anybody. There's going to be backlash from people. Why didn't you, you know, it's going to leak out. People are going to say, why didn't you inform people? Look, look what happened. He sends a letter saying, hey, this is what we're doing. It's not a damning letter. It's not a letter that says, we got her. We, we've got her. We're going to crucify her. And she's done. It literally says we have to look into it. That's literally what his letter suggested. We have emails. They're attached to this. We got to check them out. They just got to get swept through uh, for formality reasons. So was it irresponsible for Comey to send out a letter 11 days before a national election? It could have been, but... At the same token, what? Did, did we want them to sit on it, have the FBI do their thing, and then come out and say, hey, this happened, we looked at it, and it's done, when it, it's probably not going to be done being looked at until after the election. Honestly. They have something, this article says they have like 650,000 emails to pour through Anthony Weiner's laptop. I don't envy them. I don't envy them because not only do you have to pour through 650,000 emails, but it's Anthony Weiner's emails, which probably some of them contain his Weiner. Just saying. Now, of course, Clinton's email server and this have nothing to do with WikiLeaks. Okay, WikiLeaks is John Podesta's emails. WikiLeaks got a hold from some entity. Now, my favorite thing was last, I think it was the last presidential debate. It was brought up, and Clinton's number one defense, the Democratic number one defense against WikiLeaks is, is Russia. Russia's trying to rig the election. Why would you let Russia try to play with our politics? That's the first line of defense for Wiki, uh, against WikiLeaks. That's the first line of defense. Russia. Hillary Clinton said 17 agencies believe that Russia hacked, uh, was involved in hacking and obtaining these and giving them the WikiLeaks. Donald Trump says we have no idea. Let me present to you Ben Swan. Ben Swan's a news reporter. Truth in Media. If you don't know Ben Swan, if you don't know Truth in Media, I highly suggest that uh, you check him out. 
and you you watch him and you put in your own research to it. I think the guy is very fair and balanced in his reporting of uh, of these type of of these types of things. Uh, I want to play a clip from him, and I I, I want to make it brief because the videos that he does he does do big episodes, but he also does these little reality check stints. And I want to I want to play uh, some clips from you about the WikiLeaks stuff because you know what at the end of the day Ben Swan presents a good argument against uh, arguing that WikiLeaks and Russian hacks matter. What really matters is the content of the Podesta emails. During the last presidential debate, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump sparred over who was behind the WikiLeaks release of Clinton campaign documents. Trump says no one really knows. Clinton says 17 government agencies say it's the Russians. Tonight, why who was behind the hacks doesn't really matter as much as whether or not the information is true. Well, that was Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump arguing over whether or not 17 federal agencies have agreed that high-ranking Russian officials are behind the hacking of Clinton campaign manager John Podesta's emails. The agencies that Clinton was citing there include the State Department, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, and the CIA. For his part, Donald Trump says that those agencies don't really know for sure. Our country has no idea. Well, now let's set aside the fact that many of those agencies, including the NIE, the CIA, the State Department, and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, all also said that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction when it did not. But let's say that this time they are all correct. So what? Because the issue is not who is leaking the information from the Clinton campaign chairman. It's whether or not the information being released is true. So what you need to know is that there has been so much discussion about the Russians trying to influence the election. But what we're not talking about is whether or not the emails are true. If they are, then who cares where they come from? Who cares why? Because if the accusation is that the Russians are trying to influence this election by telling the truth, then what does that tell us about how American media is trying to influence the election? Now, like I said, WikiLeaks is that double-edged sword. But at the end of the day, I actually like this argument. I really, really do like this argument, and I didn't think about it in this way until I watched him present it. Does it really matter who hacked the information, who got the information, and who leaked the information if all that information is true? If all that information in WikiLeaks is true, if that's what, if that's what went down, there's some pretty damning evidence in there. There's some pretty damning evidence of how they were treating Bernie Sanders and his supporters, which is a large demographic of the Democratic Party right now, which Bernie Sanders is trying to convince his people to get behind Hillary Clinton and vote for her. But in those emails, you can see what they thought of Bernie Sanders, what they thought of his self-righteous ideologue supporters. They didn't like that, man. They didn't like, they don't like any of the Bernie Sanders supporters, but they need them. So, they will do what appears to be throwing them a bone, making them believe they won something. That That's actually in one of the emails. That, that's actually one of the exact emails that's in the WikiLeaks release, which there's thousands of emails that have been released. But that goes back to 
last week when we talked about the the town hall question that was leaked to the Clinton campaign before the town hall. What was their defense? Oh, that that, that those were stolen emails, not not um not outright denying anything except going on the defense and saying those were stolen emails. Are the emails true? Is it factual, true information? Is this how it went down? Is this correspondence that they had with each other? Because if it is, who cares if Russia did it? Oh, they're trying to influence our election by uh, passing out the truth? By passing out factuality? They're trying to give it to us without the spin? Without the polish that, uh, that they can throw on it before they present it? Ooh, they released the strategy of, of how they undermined campaigns. Ooh. Okay, one of these emails that, that really you know was off putting to me was from Mark Seigel uh to Tamara Lozado. These are this is on WikiLeaks. Been been released. Whether or not it's true, who knows? Uh but <clears throat> I just want to read you some of this email and, and and you know if this is this is how they were corresponding with each other I mean this this really calls into question hey Bernie Sanders fans how much is the Democratic Party really you know in for you uh, so here's one of the emails uh, quote and from Mark Seigel quote I lived through many national conventions and found it's critical that all delegates, especially those representing losing candidates, emerge from the convention feeling that they have won something, achieved something tangible. I think this is terribly important, especially with people like Bernie Sanders' sometimes self-righteous ideologues. We want them to go home happy and enthusiastic and working their asses off for Hillary. Hillary has done... Hillary has already smoothly pivoted to incorporate some important elements of Bernie's ideas and rhetoric into her own message. Thus, I don't think the 2016 platform is a sufficiently tangible prize for the Bernie wing of the convention. I think they have been given something that they can claim as a singular success. I think I know something that would painlessly work. As you probably know, I was the guy who drafted the superdelegate provisions of the party's delegate selection rules. It was an outgrowth of the McGovern 1972 convention where a few of our elected officials were delegates. After the debacle, the regulars, the party establishment, wanted a big chunk of guaranteed representation at future conventions, as much as 25%. The liberal wing was firmly opposed to this, saying it was undemocratic. Through the Mikulski, uh, Winograd, and Hunt commissions, I worked out a compromise giving ex officio delegate status to Democratic members of the House and Senate. Democratic governors and big city mayors. That would have totaled about 10% of the convention. What I thought was a reasonable compromise. Liberals were okay with it, but the Democratic State Chairman's Association wanted to add party officials to this new class of ex-officio delegates. When the new delegate selection rules were voted on by the DNC, it's not shocking that the DNC added themselves as an automatic delegates. That drove the percentage up to over 15%. It has crept up even a bit higher now. Uh, And then he jokes, wouldn't the Republicans like to have that now? Uh, So here's my idea. Bernie and his people have been bitching about superdelegates and huge percentage that come out for Hillary. Since the original idea was to bring our elected officials to the convention ex officio, 
because of the offices and constituencies they represent, why not throw Bernie a bone and reduce the superdelegates in the future to the original draft of members of the House and Senate governors, big city mayors, eliminating the DNC members who are not state chairs or vice chairs? Frankly, DNC don't. DNC members don't really represent constituencies anyway. I should know. I served the DNC first as executive director and then as an elected member for 10 years. So if we give Bernie this in the convention's rules committee, his people will think they've won something from the party establishment. And it functionally doesn't make any difference anyway. They win. We don't lose. Everyone is happy. Okay, this was one of the emails that went out, folks. Of the thousands, this is one of the emails. If I was a Bernie supporter, if I was a diehard Bernie supporter and I wanted real change, and I read this, I would feel like, oh, well, that's the Democratic Party just pooping on me. They're going to throw me something fake, sell it to me as if I won, and then, you know, as long as Hillary Clinton gets in office, then all bets are off. You know, screw you guys. We, we got through what we had to get through. So, no, I don't care where WikiLeaks came from. If it's true, it's, well, it's just, it's not a good look for you, is it? It's not a good look for you. Because it's the backdoor politics and and that strategic play of, how do I get people on board on my side and make them think that I'm supporting them? Give them something, make them a little happy. And tighten your seatbelt and get ready because WikiLeaks just uh, announced Phase 3. It's getting ready to go underway. You got a Clinton campaign reeling from the FBI notice that uh, the emails are being re-examined and the case is being kind of looked at again, sort of. Uh, we, we I, Obviously, we've seen media toying, Donald Trump toying, Republican toying with it. And we've seen, you know, some level-headed Democrats. I can't believe I'm calling Uncle Joe level-headed, but Uncle Joe saying, hey... Comey's a straight shooter. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Bombshell right now, though. Well, let's not say bombshell uh, because it's from Harry Reid. And I don't really care for Harry Reid that much. But uh, according to this article on the Hill, Senator Harry Reid is alleging that the FBI has, quote, explosive information, end quote, about a connection between Donald Trump and the Russian government, suggesting that federal investigators have unveiled damning new information about the Republican presidential nominee. In a letter dated October 30th, warning that FBI Director James Comey may have broken the law by detailing a new stage of the investigation in Hillary Clinton's emails, Reid also referenced information about Trump and Moscow. His quote reads... Quote, in my communications with you and other top officials in the National Security Committee community, it has become clear that you possess explosive information about close ties and coordination between Donald Trump, his top advisors, and the Russian government, a foreign interest openly hostile to the United States, which Trump praises at every opportunity, Reid wrote in a letter to Comey this weekend. The public has a right to know this information. So, you can take that for what it's worth. It sounds to me like, at this point, a butthurt Harry Reid trying to poke whatever he can at Trump. But at this point, is it is there really that much give and take at this point? Isn't most pe- are most people decided at this point who they're going to vote for, 
why they're going to vote for him, why they're going to vote against him, because there's a lot of people voting this election that are voting for, or rather not voting for, but they're voting against the other person. They're not so much as voting for their person as they are against the other person, which I think just breeds a very dangerous uh, you know, landscape there. Really, I do. You shouldn't be voting against somebody. You should be voting for someone, for an ideal, for an ideal, for a purpose, for uh, principles. But that maybe that's just me. I don't, I don't know. Who am I to judge? Without a shadow of a doubt, though, this election coming up next week, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be a nail biter, a close one, and is going to come down to probably just a handful. Of votes, I I would suggest two to three million votes. Possibly, I'm hoping for the surge in the third party. I have my fingers crossed. Third party surge, third party surge, third party surge. But I'm just saying, I think the numbers are going to be very, very telling. And as far as the polls go, I mean, either people are lying when the pollsters call them up and say, "Hey, what do you feel about this? What do you feel about that?" <clears throat> Either those people are lying or we're literally in supreme gridlock over the future of the nation, which, again, I think third party kind of alleviates that, but we'll see what America wants to choose. I guess we'll see what what people want in just a, in just a short week and maybe a couple extra days' time. We, we'll see the outcome of this. Now, uh, I want to touch up on the Dakota Pipeline thing going on. The the protests that are going on over the Dakota Pipeline. Everybody's talking about the Native Americans. They're standing, they're defending. The Sioux Tribe is, is standing, defending, and, and calling for action. These protests have gotten a little violent. Some people have suggested that uh, violence has been incited by others uh, to make it look like a bad case. <clears throat> CNN released an article uh, just today, and uh, well, just yesterday, it was updated this morning <clears throat> from Jessica Rabbits, stating that uh, not all the Standing Rock Sioux are protesting the pipeline. Uh, if you go down in here, he she quotes uh, she quotes one individual from the Standing Sioux Tribe, Full Bear Robert Full Bear Senior who is stating that, uh, you know, a couple years ago, they had hearings over this, people could have showed up, voiced their concern, nobody was there, nobody cared. Uh, He also says that, you know, now you look at it, people from all over the world are here protesting this. Not, Not the entirety of the Sioux tribe, but people who have just latched on and are there and are protesting. Uh, You know, Jill Steen got arrested for being down there and vandalizing equipment down there, spray painting something on it. Either way, you have a a dangerous case down there because you have a bunch of protesters over this over this issue and it's it's a question of government control, oil and big money and water and sacred grounds of, of Indian territory. So it's interesting to see the developments there, but what's more interesting is how literally nothing's being done. It's it's still going on. It's been going on for months. It's been going on for months, and the Bundys, for their standoff a couple of months ago, you remember that? The Bundys, uh, armed to the teeth, 
with weapons. Of course, their protest was peaceful, though. And one man did end up dying in a shootout with the FBI. Question marks all around that. Uh, but the bunnies are acquitted over their land battle. And this one's just kind of raging on with question marks all about it. And it's not being focused on or paid attention to. So it's interesting to see what's going on there. But I can't really comment on it any further. I can't, I can't add opinion. I can't go on for hours and hours and hours about it. All I can say is, was it was it not cons- was it not conveniently missing from presidential debate talk? They might have brushed up on it, maybe a little bit, but it was conveniently missing, and it's been conveniently missing this whole time. This literally, that, that's all I want to dive into today. I wanted this episode to be a bit shorter because my my eyes are starting to focus on next week uh, because I haven't decided. I'm st- I'm toying around with the ideas. I don't know if I'm going to do podcast on Monday next week. <clears throat> Push it off to Tuesday. Go vote, then do the podcast. Uh, or if I'm going to wait until like Wednesday or Thursday when we have maybe some results, and do it then. I don't know yet. So I'm playing that one by ear. I might even mix it up. Do some video casts on the Facebook page. Uh, and make it available to the SoundCloud uh, and the other means that the podcast can go. Uh, just pay attention to that. Um, literally, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at FritzQS, capital F-R-I-T-Z, capital Q, capital S. Uh, on Twitter, feel free to follow me. The Facebook page is The FritzCast. Uh, we're going to figure out, I'm going to figure out how I'm doing that. Uh, but literally, take the time in in this week. If you haven't decided, if you're if you're an undecided voter and you don't know which way you're going, uh, literally just um just take the time to look over some information. Really sit down. Really, you know, boil it down to your principles is what I'm saying, and I've been saying that from day one. Boil it down to your principles and vote for that person who's going to represent you and your principles in the direction that you think the nation should go. Really pay attention to your down ticket. Your down ticket could be crucial. Could be the lifesaver this election. Your down ticket really could be the lifesaver. That's going to be it for me. Like I said, I don't have any more material to throw at you today. Uh, I covered the WikiLeaks and this FBI email thing. Those are the two biggest things going on right now, in all honesty. Uh, and on the political front, like I said, the Dakota thing's still going on. But how much can I really talk about it? How much can I really raffle on about that issue? I can't. I can't bring myself to do it this week. So, No updates uh, for Evan McMullen. Gary Johnson and any of them guys get out and vote next week get out and vote next week pay attention to your down ticket please pay attention to your down ticket don't go in there and just vote for president down ticket love you all follow me on twitter get with me contact me already getting started on next week's episode as we speak